Coming up on today's episode of the Locked On Bucks podcast, we take more of your voicemails following the win over the Minnesota Vikings and talk about some potentially impactful injury news, according to head coach Bruce Arians. All that and more on today's episode of the Locked On Bucks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up and welcome back to the Locked On Bucks podcast brought to you by Pepsi. This football season will be different and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi made for football watching. I am James Yarko flying solo on this episode. But you can find everything that I am doing as well as my co-host David Harrison over at BucksNation.com. Make sure you follow along on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JayArco underscore Bucks, at DHarrison82, and at Bucks underscore Nation. Going to get to some listener voicemails here in just a moment, but first, we need to kick this episode off with some potentially bad news for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers heading into the final stretch of the regular season. When Bruce Arians met with the media on Monday, he mentioned that star running back Ronald Jones suffered an injury in the win against the Minnesota Vikings, saying, quote, Rojo may have fractured a pinky, so we will wait and see. It happened earlier in the game, and he went back and played with it. Whether they have to put a pin in it or not, we'll have to wait and see. I don't know what that will do. Chris played through it, and we'll see what happens with him. I think that's about as far as anything that could be major. So, pretty significant injury when you get paid to hold on to a football you know, as he, you know, Bruce Arians brought up Chris Godwin, who had the surgery on his index finger. You know, that's a guy getting paid to catch a football. Uh, you know, he got some pins in in his finger, played through it. He's a he's a tough guy. So we're going to have to see if Ronald Jones is going to be able to play through this. What they're going to have to do, but if the Bucks lose Ronald Jones, that could spell some trouble for the next three games. You got Atlanta, Detroit, and Atlanta coming up. And the Bucs control their own playoff destiny. They have to win two of their next three to make sure that they are in the playoffs. I'm not saying that they can't beat those teams without Ronald Jones. But as we saw against the Vikings and as we've seen all season long, when Ronald Jones is running the football well, this is a difficult Buccaneers team to stop when they're not swapping him out with Leonard Fournette at inopportune times. We saw Leonard Fournette was a healthy scratch on Sunday, uh, you know, Ronald Jones is in charge of this backfield. You want him in there. You want him to get opportunities. You want him to get the ball. If he has to have surgery on this pinky and misses a couple of weeks, that's not an ideal situation. But hopefully, should he miss any time, they would be able to get him back before the playoffs start. So that was the big injury news coming out of the Vikings game. Other than that, the Bucks seem to come out of that rather unscathed. Cannot stress enough how important Ronald Jones is to this offense. We're going to get into Ronald Jones a little bit more coming up in just a minute when we address some of your voicemails 
following the fallout of a big win against the Minnesota Vikings. First, we have to give a shout out to our friends over at 1010. This episode is brought to you by 1010. Now, you may have read about this in the New York Times or Forbes. We're excited to tell you about it. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 one-of-a-kind engagement rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Using only diamonds responsibly sourced from Botswana, 10 design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful commitment ring launching exclusively on January 18th at BlueNile.com. And when they're gone, they're gone. We all know that the diamond engagement ring is iconic. It's a timeless expression of the deepest commitment between two people. And with 1010, it's been beautifully re-envisioned in the hands of 10 modern designers working exclusively with sustainably sourced diamonds. If you're making 2021 plans or looking for a unique and meaningful way to celebrate Valentine's Day, you're definitely going to want to check this out. Again, this exciting limited edition collection of diamond engagement rings launches on January 18th, and you can preview it exclusively at BlueNile.com. Voicemails from our listeners coming up in segment two of the Locked On Bucks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's a solo Tuesday edition for me here at the Locked On Bucks podcast. James Yarko, deputy editor of BucksNation.com, talking about the Buccaneers' big win over the Minnesota Vikings, kind of setting the stage for the final quarter of the season. We all, I believe we can all agree that this was the toughest matchup in the final quarter of the season, was a playoff caliber Minnesota Vikings team. If the season had ended before yesterday or before Sunday's games, you're talking about the Minnesota Vikings being a wild card team. Now the Buccaneers have to go in. They have to win two of their next three at Atlanta, at Detroit, home against Atlanta. I think they should be able to do that pretty easily. But we want to hear from you guys. We want to hear from our loyal listeners. We want to hear from some new voices that we have popping up on the podcast today. But before we get to the new voices, we have to go to a favorite of ours, always reliable, calling in after every game, and that is our buddy Youssef. Hey guys, it's Youssef out here in Phoenix. Well, that was a pretty damn good game. I'm still worried about our defense, unfortunately. We let uh, Cousins kind of throw the ball wherever he wanted. I know, you know, in the big picture, we did win, and the defense did step up when it had to, but. Um, I'm, I'm pretty um, worried about that aspect considering we got Matt Ryan. Uh, we're teeing off against Matt Ryan next weekend. So, um, But, you know, it was a great win for me personally because my family, my mom is from Minnesota, so there are Vikings fans out there. I lived there for quite a bit of time as well. But um, so to get a win in, uh, against Minnesota was pretty pretty cool. But, um yeah, I mean, the offense seemed to click better um, this week. Um, got a lot of those dink and dunks going for Tom Brady this weekend. Uh, hopefully that continues because, again, we need to see this consistently week after week, not just a one-time thing. And keep feeding Rojo. As you said, keep feeding the guy because when we feed him, 
we usually win. So with that said, guys, uh, we're looking forward to next weekend against Atlanta and hope, you know, not getting too high and not getting too low. All right, guys. Talk to you later. Go Bucks. The always even-keeled, not too high, not too low, Yousef from Arizona. Buddy, thank you for the call. The defense, uh, they had their struggles. I'm not I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I'm not going to lie to you. They had their struggles. But as you said, Yousef, and we talked about it yesterday, they stepped up when it mattered the most. And you can point to the fourth down efficiency by the Minnesota Vikings going four for five. And you can say, well, James, the Bucks had five opportunities that the Vikings had a fourth down play and the defense didn't step up. Well, yeah, I can give you that, but that one that the Vikings did not convert, that was the big moment where the big name player, Jason Pierre-Paul, stepped up and created the game's only takeaway. Um, Look, the Minnesota Vikings held the football for almost 40 minutes in this game. They had 27 first downs. They ran 76 plays. That's 27 more total plays than the Buccaneers ran. Yet they only had eight drives compared to the Buccaneers nine. You can point to some of the three and outs on offense and say, well, you know, yeah, they had nine drives, but they had some three and outs. Okay. Yep. I'll give that to you too. But the Vikings only had 4.4 yards per play. The Buccaneers 6.2. I realize that's a little skewed because of that big play to Scotty Miller. Dalvin Cook had a great day. 22 carries, 102 yards, but that's Dalvin Cook. He's one of arguably the top two running backs in the NFL. Him and Derrick Henry, you can take your pick for number one. I would take either. But the Buccaneers did a really solid job of trying to force third and longs, trying to contain Dalvin Cook as best they could, and it was ugly in the first quarter, but they did a good job after that. They did a good job settling down and containing Dalvin Cook through the rest of the game, but it's it's instances like that. It's instances like that first quarter that you take a look and you see how massive of an impact somebody like Vita Vea has on this defense, because I can promise you this. If Vita Vea is on the field, Dalvin Cook is not gashing this offense in the first quarter for over five yards a carry. It's not happening. Vita Vea is such a force in the middle, and that defense, you can talk about the linebacking duo all you want, Levante, Devin White, those are all pro players. You could talk about Indomitian Sue. You could talk about the game that Shaq had with two sacks. You could talk about JPP. This defense is predicated on Vita Vea's ability to wreck the middle of the offensive line, to become such a massive disruptance for these opposing offenses, and his absence is glaring. Imagine what this defense could look like if Vita Vea was still healthy. And I'm not blaming him. I'm not giving him the injury-prone designation. You know, when he is on the field, he is an absolute game wrecker. It's unfortunate. You can go back to the days of Gerald McCoy. People wanted to call him injury-prone. These are fluke accidents. These aren't reoccurring injuries. Gerald McCoy had both of his biceps tear. You know, that's, that's a fluke. 
This isn't Ken Griffey Jr. on the Cincinnati Reds who pulled his hamstring twice a year, every year for his duration in Cincinnati. This isn't a reoccurring problem. These are different fluke injuries that just happen to take Vita Vea out early in the season. But I give I give props to the defense standing up when they had to. The offense did more than enough to win the game. The defense did more than enough to win the game. Yeah, you could talk about Dan Bailey all you want, but you know what? It was the defense that set up Dan Bailey having to go for those field goals with opportune third down sacks and and taking them back for these long field goal attempts. So, yeah, they still have stuff to work on, guys. Every team in the NFL has stuff to work on. Even the Kansas City Chiefs have things to work on. You saw Patrick Mahomes on Sunday throw as many interceptions in the first quarter against the Miami Dolphins as he had the rest of the season combined. No team is perfect. There are no undefeated teams. The Steelers have now lost two in a row. The Chiefs are the number one seed in the AFC. And... This is a Buccaneers team that, despite struggling against the Chiefs in the first half when they played them, ended up being a pretty tight game. Had an opportunity at the end, just didn't have enough time left to be able to get the job done. So, every team still has things they're working on. The Buccaneers have things that they are working on. And they have three more games to try to fine-tune some of these issues to figure out this this division of run versus pass which they did a phenomenal job of on Sunday with a 50-50 split David pointed that out on the podcast yesterday a 50-50 split between run and pass that's what you want that is a phenomenal balance 23 passes by Tom Brady 23 rushing attempts by the Buccaneers you love it you love it that's what you want and I think you know, going back and looking, and David and I talked about it a little bit after we recorded the show with Bailey yesterday, maybe that's what, what Bruce meant by we can do whatever we want. If they want to pass the ball, they can pass the ball. If they want to run the ball, they can run the ball. That That's more of what they meant. It, I, I misinterpreted, I think, what Bruce meant by saying, you know, no, they didn't go out there and assert their will, but they have the weapons and they have the ability to pass or run whenever they choose no matter the down and distance because they have guys that can get positive yards and make plays in any situation we're going to jump over to the next voicemail real quick before we have to hit our final break so let's hear from a good friend of ours calling in from north alabama what's up boys steven from north alabama um been a Bucks fan for a long time, so I know much like other Bucks fans, there's a tendency to be a little bit upset even though we got a win. We didn't look quite the way we had hoped today, but hey, I just want to remind everybody how much worse it would have felt to play like we played today and then still get the loss. It's, this was a huge win today. I think everyone should be very happy that we got the win, and I think that that showed great resilience of the team. I think a year or two ago, we would have been on the flip side of this where we dominated the game in most aspects, but still gave it up. I mean, I got a real vibes, very similar to that infamous New York Giants game where Matt Gay couldn't hit a field goal, and we kind of lost that game, and I think this was the same way. I think the Vikings lost that game more than we won it, but I think we showed great resilience. I know the stat line is going to say the defense probably didn't do too well, but, I mean, they were on the field for like 80% of the game. 
I mean, they must have been exhausted. And, and multiple times they came up with huge stops to force Bailey into these field goals that he just couldn't make. And and, and I think that while we're going to walk away with some serious critiques about the defense, I think we still got to give credit where credit is due. The defense played great. And I think that you got to give it to Kirk Cousins. I think Kirk Cousins played an amazing game. There were a lot of situations where he was under pressure, and I think you expect Kirk Cousins to turn over the ball in those situations. I think he just played a really good, clean game, and then Dalvin Cook was Dalvin Cook. So, you know, I was upset at first, definitely upset in the first quarter, but I'm absolutely ecstatic that we got the win. feels great to be 8-5. and five. It feels like it's been so long since we've gotten a win. So we're going to go to the – rest of the week celebrating and we're going to start things off with a celebration shot we're going to do that now go bucks you guys are great bye steven thank you very much for the call appreciate you and i gotta know the next time you call in what are we doing a celebration shot of what are we taking what are we having yeah i'm i'm a bacardi and coke kind of guy i don't really do shots anymore i'm too old for that i i i'm not as young as i used to be so i i like to have an occasional beverage and if it's not a uh, if it's not a beer, I I go with the Bacardi and Coke. But I want to know what what shot are we taking to celebrate? Because I'm gonna have to prepare, and uh, I'll do one with you, uh, socially distant, all the way up here in Ohio, following the next Bucks win. How does that sound, Stephen? I think you're dead on. I really, really do. And I've talked about this. I talked about it in my pick six on BucksNation.com that came out Monday morning, as they always do. Um, this is a team that has found themselves on the wrong side of those kinds of games far too often. You brought up the New York Giants game. That's a perfect example. You know, how many times over the past five, six, seven years have the Buccaneers outplayed their opponent and choked away what should have been a win? You know, as my dad always says, snatching defeat from the jaws of victory. You know, that, that became the Bucks' mantra. That's what they did. They would blow these leads and, and you know, shoot themselves in the foot time and time and time again. We're not really seeing that out of this Buccaneers team. We're seeing some slow starts, which can be frustrating, I know. But even with the slow starts, and there were some people on Twitter, there were some people in our Bucks Nation group chat who were ready to give up after the first quarter, throw in the towel, this team's garbage, yada, yada, yada. At no point, this season, other than maybe that second Saints game. At no point this season have the Buccaneers been down. And I've said to myself, they don't have a shot. They don't have a shot at coming back and winning this game. It seems like even with the slow starts, even with the three and outs, this team never feels like they're out of it. Because all it ever takes is one drive. It may be one drive by the offense where things things begin to click and they march right down the field and Brady completes five consecutive passes and, and Rojo's clipping off five yards of carry and, and they get in the end zone and the defense gets a little bit of a boost. And they get a little excited to get out on that field the next time they force a three and out or they get a takeaway, they get a big sack. Or maybe it's the defense. The defense forces a three and out after the Buccaneers offense struggles. And the offense says, you know what? That's the boost that we needed. The defense has our back. Let's go out there and make them proud. Let's get their back the way that they just had ours. It seems like the Bucs are always in these games. No matter what the issues are, no matter what the shortcomings are. And that's a feeling 
that a lot of us haven't had in a really, really long time. And I understand during the Winston years, even though they only came away with one winning record, there were times where it felt like, you know what, the Bucks are down early. You know, Winston might have opened the game with a pick six like he did last year. Uh, I, I can't remember how many games in a row it was where he had turned the ball over on their first possession. And, you know, even even then, it was like, you know what, he he has his problems, but he'll throw his way back into this game. But it it just, it all feels different this year. It feels like if the Bucks are down in the fourth quarter, that they're going to figure it out and they're going to give you a chance to win a game. It, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Maybe it's, maybe it's the, the Brady factor where I, I'm, maybe I'm giving Brady too much credit, you know, cause he's not the quarterback that he was in new England, you know, a couple of years ago, he's a different Tom Brady now, but you have to expect that the guy's 43 years old, but this, this team, there's something, there's something special about it. And I'm not saying special in the way of, you know, I think they're going to, you know, rattle off six, seven straight wins, whatever it would be. I can't math right now. I'm tired, you know, and, and win every game the rest of this season and through the postseason and all the way to Super Bowl 55. But it just feels like there's never a time that this team is completely out of a game. And that's a nice feeling to have. And, I think the sooner a lot of Buccaneers fans start to accept that feeling, the happier they'll be. Because, And we've talked about it. I'm not going to dive into it again. we got to get to a break. Um, but, you know, the expectations versus reality, you know, that's that's on the individual. That's not on the Buccaneers. They're doing what, what we all expected them to do, and that's become a team that at least gets in the playoffs. And once you're in the playoffs, anything can happen. One more voicemail coming up after this, but first we have to give a shout out to our friends over at Built Go. Whether it's a mental or a physical wall, break through it with Go every day. They are easy to take in one and a half ounce packages. You can put it in your briefcase, your backpack, your purse, your golf bag, whatever you're carrying with you. These Built Go packs will fit very easily and seamlessly to take with you. Built Go is the best workout gel on the market. It's a five-hour energy without the same crash feeling. Plus, it's natural, so it's better for the body. It's like drinking a monster energy drink with a third of the caffeine and better results. It comes in three delicious flavors, peanut butter, honey, chocolate, coconut, and chocolate mint. Built Go combines energy gel with collagen protein, which is a fast-absorbing protein. It gets into your system quickly, and it's easy on the stomach. Collagen promotes joint, soft tissue, hair, and skin health, so this stuff literally makes you look better. Visit BuiltGo.com and use promo code LOCKED, and you will receive 20% off your next order. Again, Use promo code LOCKED for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go! Wrapping things up here on a Tuesday edition of the Locked on Bucks podcast. And when you're done listening to this, hey, it's almost time for the NBA to start back up again. The wait is almost over. The 2020-2021 NBA season is almost here. And the Locked on NBA podcast will get you ready with a special week of shows beginning December 14th. Get previews of every team division by division from all 30 of our Locked On local experts. Plus, 
waiver wire editions from Locked On Fantasy Basketball, rookies to watch from Chad Ford, and predictions on each division from Rejecting the Screen. Subscribe to Locked On NBA wherever you get your podcasts. With that, let's dive over to our final voicemail of the episode and wrap things up with our friend, Tony. Hey, this is Tony over in Orlando. Um, regular listener, enjoy your podcast. A um, couple observations from the game. I think that uh, I'm glad to see that uh, the, the running game got going. Uh, you know, obviously Rojo did well. Uh, I think he averaged over four four yards of carry. Um, Shady had some some decent some decent uh, runs as well. Glad they got him back in there. So I was glad to see, I was glad to see that. Um, you know, offensively, I don't know. I don't have anything really negative to say. I mean, you know, I mean, they they obviously went for the big chunk play to, to Scotty Miller, but he was open. And how can you how can you critique that? I mean, he had an open receiver over the top. He hit him, got the TD. Can't complain. Um, I, I, I like the fact that they uh, that that, uh, that they were allowing him to find open receivers over the middle, and he did that to Brown and to um, uh, Godwin. And, and defensively, a couple of things I wanted to, I, I just wanted to point out. Uh, the thing that kind of upset me a little bit, and I've been listening to a lot of podcasts and analysis of of you know, past games, but the one thing I noticed uh, during this game, and it was pointed out, was that they 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 gave uh, the quarterback safety help over the middle, which which they didn't do in the previous game, and you know I I'm not sure why they didn't do it in third in the KC game, but uh, they did it in this game and it seemed to work, and and so they were able to keep the receivers in front of them. Thus, you know, the receiving yards were cut way down. Yeah, they missed tackles early in the game against Cook. That's fine. You know, hey, he gave up 100 yards, but it really didn't do any serious damage. Overall, I think there was – I was pleased. And so moving forward, yeah, I think they uh, they have a good shot to, uh, to to dominate in Atlanta. Let's hope for the best. Anyway, go Bucks. Thank you. Take care. Tony, appreciate the call. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I'm not really sure why they didn't do that early on against Kansas City either. They did end up starting to do that later in the game after Tyreek already had about 6,477 yards and 18 touchdowns. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, it certainly helped the defense, and it helped keep Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson in check. As far as the offense was concerned – yeah, the, the big chunk play to Scotty Miller, that was fantastic. And kudos to the offensive line for keeping such a clean pocket for him to give Brady time because Scotty Miller, I, he said it in his postgame uh, press conference, he said that he was the third or fourth option on that play. You know, the, the number one option on, on those routes was Mike Evans. And Evans was covered, and the offensive line gave Brady enough time to let Miller get open down the field and for Brady to hit that just absolutely perfectly in the end zone. The the offensive line was kind of you know kind of overshadowed and they had an absolutely terrific 
game. Donovan Smith had a great game. Ali Marpet had the one penalty, but other than that, you know, he's he was Ali Marpet. Tristan Wirfs continues to get better week after week. It was a solid performance by that front five on the Buccaneers offense. Brady missed some open guys. He'll tell you that he missed some open guys. And, you know, it's unfortunate. It looks like that we're not going to get Mike Evans past that 1,000-yard mark this season. I mean, Chris Godwin has under 600 yards, and, of course, he's missed some games. But, you know what, you ask Mike Evans what's more important to him, the 1,000 yards and, and breaking the record set by his idol, Randy Moss, you know, does he want that or does he want to go to the playoffs? He's going to tell you he wants a shot to go to the playoffs. He's never been there. You know, this is his seventh season in the NFL and he's never played in a playoff game. Chris Godwin, he's going to tell you he wants to go to the playoffs. Scotty Miller, he's going to tell you he wants to go to the playoffs. These guys don't care about individual stats. They care about winning. You know, the guys that care about the individual stats, they're the ones like Terrell Owens that you see end up bouncing around from team to team to team because it's all about them. These are guys on this team, maybe not Antonio Brown. I don't know. Jury's still out on that one. Um, these are guys that are putting the team first. They don't care about their individual successes as long as they are contributing to the collective success of the team. That's what matters at the end of the day. Tony, appreciate you calling in. Coming up tomorrow, David will be back, and we will put a nice, tidy bow on the win over the Minnesota Vikings. I know David has some thoughts brewing that he couldn't get to on yesterday's episode, uh, but you know, there's some things that he wants to dive into. We are going to wrap up that and then start to look ahead to the Atlanta Falcons when the Buccaneers will take on not one, but two of their former head coaches in Raheem Morris and Dirk Cutter. Excited for that one. Of course, everyone will be talking about Tom Brady's 28-3 comeback against the Falcons leading into this one. But you know what? That was years ago. It's time to focus on this week and this week alone as the Buccaneers try to get even closer to a playoff berth. Until then, please check out everything going on over at BucksNation.com. Send in your voicemails like Yousef, Steven, or Tony by giving us a call at 813-444-5841. Follow along on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JRCO underscore Bucks, at DHarrison82, and at Bucks underscore Nation. Hope you all have an absolutely outstanding day. Stay safe, stay healthy, wash your hands, be good to each other. And we thank you so much for joining us right here at Locked on Bucks.